Well, if you have a Bible with you this morning or your phone, iPad, whatever you choose to use, turn to Psalm 119 this morning. That's where we're going to be here in just a few moments. Last week, we started a brand new series called Further Your Faith. And there's one main question that we're asking during this series. And that one question is, what makes our faith grow? What makes your everyday faith grow? When we look around us, when we look at the life of another Christian, someone who we may look up to, someone who is growing, it's visible that there is a growing faith. There are several things that we can identify and that we can point out in those people. And so that's, we're going to highlight several of those things during this series. In Matthew chapter 7, last week we saw where Jesus is finishing up his sermon. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. It's a series of teachings that he gave to the disciples and those who were listening, who were gathered around the mountain. And and he he left us with a challenge. He left those people with, with a significant challenge to hear his words and do them. To hear God's word and to apply God's word. We, we know that learning and knowing truth, we know those things are so vital to our faith. But we're deceiving ourselves if we think that knowledge is the end of all of our efforts. We must put that knowledge into action. So here in our church, in this body, we want you to know truth. We want you to have knowledge. We believe that that is vital, but we also want you to do something with it. That if we want our faith to grow, we have to do something with what we actually know. Now, maybe you've heard this phrase before, or maybe you've even said this before in your your journey of following Jesus. This phrase of, of, I'm just not growing spiritually anymore. That I'm just not growing spiritually here in this place anymore. And that problem is, is often blamed on a pastor or it's, it's blamed on a church or a group of, of churches or something which honestly is just an excuse. You see, pastors are called to teach, we're called to preach, but there's a lot, there's a lot in here. And so we're not gonna cover everything that you think you want to know today or maybe this week or maybe this month or maybe even this year. There's a lot in here. So we're called to preach it. We're called to preach it, but we're not gonna cover everything right now. And for the record, hear this, but hear hear my compassionate, empathetic side that I don't have much of. You are responsible for your own spiritual growth. You are responsible, not me, not this church, and not your Sunday school teacher. They are not responsible for your growth. We teach, and then you hear, and you make the decision to apply or to not apply. Now, most of us have grown up spiritually or or physically, not not always mentally, but we go from boys to men. We go from, from girls to women, and that's exactly what God intended to happen with you physically. And the truth is, 
as we grow up, all areas of your life and my life, they're not all growing up at the same rate. We're not maturing and growing at the same pace. Just ask your best friend or your spouse or maybe a teacher. But for most of us, there is one area where we are more likely to stay immature and even sometimes act like children, but you can't always tell at first glance. And that's in the area of our faith. Some of us are not acting our age when it comes to our faith, and we may not even realize it. You could be not acting your age spiritually this morning and be completely unaware, and hopefully this series will help you. In fact, it's possible to go to church your entire life and still be immature spiritually. Sure, on the outside, it seems to other people that you know a lot, and then they, they hear what your mouth says, and that you're a believer, but then they look at your life. What does your life actually say? What do our spiritual habits say about our spiritual maturity? And have we taken time for what's important to us? Have we made time for what's important to us? And the biggest question you have to answer today is simple. It's not just how does your faith grow, but it's do you want to grow? Do you really want to grow today in your relationship with God? Well, if you're there in Psalm 119, I want to read this passage. It's an encouraging passage. And then we're going to dive into a couple other uh, verses this morning as we look into this, this series, this specific message today. Psalm 119, starting in verse 1, it says, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. So another question that I want to ask this morning as we, as we continue in this conversation is, do you want your heart to be aligned with God's heart? And is your heart aligned with his? And if the answer is, is yes, you want your heart to be aligned with God's heart, that will require discipline. It will require healthy habits. Do you want to grow? Do you want to know him better? Here are some things that you might need to work on. And just a warning this morning. These things are, most of you are already, you already know. A lot of the things that we're going to talk about, we've talked about maybe even a dozen times already this year. They're not groundbreaking. They're practical and that's really what our faith is all about. It's the practical things. It's not the deep things. It's the everyday things. And if I asked everyone to raise their hands this morning to, to these ideas that I'm going to present, we would all find ourselves in one of three groups. And there could be more, there could be less, but there are three that we're going to talk about today. Some of you are doing the things regularly, and you have been for years. You wake up every single morning, and you spend time with God. 
It's a habit that you've developed and you developed this years ago, maybe even decades ago, and, and you'd never, you would never even consider missing a single day with the Lord. And if that's you, awesome. Great job. Keep up the good work. Find someone in your life who you can encourage and you can inspire to do the same because that's something that I think is worth talking about. Mentor them and teach them how you've made these simple practical things a priority in your life. Convince them that it will make their spiritual lives even better because you know it actually does make your life better. You see, some of you know the things that you should do And you could rattle all of these things off way better than me. And you've tried them, but you've never been able to make them stick. You just can't find the time. The day seems to get away from you. You started a thousand Bible reading programs or devotions, and and you tried to pray regularly, but you've never accomplished any of those personal goals of growing spiritually. So I pray that this sermon would inspire you to do the hard work of creating new habits and smashing those obstacles that are keeping you from making this a priority. Now there's a third group. This third group is just, they just don't think that it's worth it. If you're being honest, and and we want you to be honest. Honestly, I would much rather you be honest today than lie about it. You just don't think it's worth it. This day-to-day reading of God's word, studying all of this old stuff that's, that's several thousand years older, you, you just don't have the motivation and you don't really consider yourself that serious of a Christian anyway. I mean, you're good with coming to church here and there or as often as you can. You, you'd think that coming here is, is important, but it's, it's just if you can make it happen. And you're not really feeling the whole daily devotions kind of thing. It's just not your style. It's just not how you roll. Well, I pray that you may be convinced or even convicted by the end of this on how much you're actually missing out on and how much God longs to actually spend that time with you. You see, it really is worth it to give this your commitment. And if you could ask that person that you know who has that thriving faith, if you could If you could talk to them, they would tell you that it's worth it as well. And when you look at someone who has a deep faith, they are are strong spiritually, and you look at how they've navigated hard times and tragedy, and they've, they've learned to lean in during those seasons. Those are people that I want to pay attention to. You see, if we want our faith to grow, we have to commit to spiritual habits. And when it comes to regular habits that make our faith grow, the first most obvious one is studying the Bible. Joshua says in Joshua 1 verse 8, he says, Keep this book of the law, the word, always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. You can't do the things in it if you're not in it. You see some common questions that I get, and, and, and I think our, our pastors, as we've discussed this, we would agree on this, is we get a lot of questions on how do I study the Bible? Or where should I start? Or is there a wrong way to do it? Is, is it wrong to just read a verse a day? 
Is it wrong to, to have this specific approach or style? And those are all great questions. But there's several things that I think need to be a part of your study habits. I, I don't care how much you read every day. I don't care if you read a half a verse. That's not technically wrong. We want you to read and we want you to examine what you're reading. In Acts chapter 17, there's a group of people known as the Bereans and, and Paul and the apostles are teaching them the truth of, of, of the word and the Bereans, they, they listen with eagerness. They're listening to this preached and taught word of God and then, and then they're testing or they're, they're examining the scriptures to see if what they said is true. They're taking this, they're, they're hearing it, they're reading it and they're examining it. If you're a Christian, it's time that you learn how to actually study the Bible yourself. It's time you start reading and it's, it's time to grow in this area of study. It's time to start being consistent with the Bible. Whether you're a busy mom or dad, maybe you're a retired adult, you could be in middle school, high school, or college. Even if you don't like to read, even if you're busy, it's time to figure it out. It's time to, to, to consider some, some growth. It's time to grow up spiritually. But we want to encourage you to find what works for you. Because what works for me may not work for you. And, and there's not one way. There's not one way. Maybe you're not a morning person. So the morning routine just simply doesn't work for you. Maybe that's you. Don't quote Lamentations where it says to rise early. I, I understand. It's not a command. It's something you could try to do. But maybe you're not a morning person. So read at night. Read on your lunch break. If you know you won't end up making it a priority in the morning, or maybe if you won't make it a priority at night because you know you're just simply gonna get busy with other things, change your strategy. Just make the study of and the reading of it a consistent habit. It's part of acting our age spiritually. Set a reminder on your phone. I, I, I don't know, but make this something that works for you. You know you. You know how you're wired. You know your struggles. You know how you're distracted. You know all the things. So make it, make it personal. Maybe you spend time in one chapter or in one section. It doesn't have to take an hour. That doesn't mean you're more spiritual, by the way. But you have to remember this. And this is what's important about this process of studying his word. Yes, he commands us to study it. But your worldview and what you think about life is being shaped by something every single day. So why not allow the creator of this world, the creator of you, to have a regular, intentional, daily influence on you? You see, his word is living, as we see in Hebrews. It's active, it's alive, it's, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's not mindless, it's not meaningless, it's not neutral, and it has eternal impact on you. The word makes a difference in your Monday. It makes a difference in how you parent and how you respond to those hard things that are going on around you. You see, conversations with Christians around us would say that most are not doing this. So try to do it every day. 
Not because it's on a checklist, not because someone is keeping tabs on you, but because you want to change your habits and because you want to know God more. Now, maybe you're here and you're in that first group and you're super bored right now. And like I said, if we could raise our hands and I could ask every single one of you to say, I have that daily habit of spending time with the Lord. I don't think as many hands would go up as we would assume. And I don't say that to to hurt your feelings. It's just reality. It's just true. But on those days when we're not feeling it and we're not in the mood to read, I think we should just read anyways. I don't think we should buy that lie that we, we we shouldn't read. Do it anyways. Ask God to meet you where you are and to change your heart and even your mindset. And for this to stick, to happen regularly, I think, I think you need a plan. Now, some of you just convulsed inside because you don't like to plan. Lists are your enemy. You're like, you're a planner. You're not my friend. You know, that's you. You're like, that word just freaked you out. Just call it something else. But I think you need to designate a time and a place. Give it your intentional time. Make an appointment with yourself. Put it on your calendar. I I don't know. But if you fail to plan this time to read and grow, I can pretty much promise you that it's not just gonna happen by accident. You may have to let your family know that this is something that's really important to you. Let your kids know, like, listen, mom and dad, we are going to, we're going to spend some time with the Lord this morning, so you're gonna have to wait. Maybe you're, Your phone is a distraction, so you put it on do not disturb, or you just simply leave it in another room. Or you get up before everyone else. Or you put your kids to bed earlier, which every parent loves, and you read in those moments. Or you set your stuff out the night before, you get the coffee pot ready, you lay out your pens if you're Brittany. Like, it's weird, but it's like she's got this whole spread out, and it's like all these, there's like 16 different markers, and, and I don't get it. I use yellow for everything. And so I don't know. Maybe you just lay your stuff out. You, you heat up a muffin. I don't know. You just make this something that you look forward to. Just make it something you look forward to. And I certainly hope that you want this time to be, to be beneficial. Of course, you want to retain what you read. So you also want to, you want to study And this is where pastors lose people in these conversations. So don't overthink this. We simply want to get the most out of the time that we have in his word. It doesn't have to be complicated and it doesn't have to be every day. You don't have to deep dive every day. No one's got a punch card for you. No one is going to track how deep you're studying or, or how much you study. You may not have time tomorrow morning for that deep dive, but just don't skip. Go ahead and read anyway. Read a proverb. You can never go wrong with reading a proverb a day. Read a proverb. It will make a difference in that day. Or, or set up a chapter to play audibly through the YouVersion Bible app while you're brushing your teeth or doing your hair or doing the dishes or driving down the road. Let your kids hear the word of God read back to you. I don't know. Those things are not wrong. It's not wrong to listen to the Bible. So listen to it. But to study well, And this is where it gets a little more challenging. This process of study is where a lot of people just go, they just kind of lose focus. 
How do we study? What do we study? And there's a simple but, but essential process that, that I learned years ago. I've shared this before. We talk about this a lot. And it's this process of interpretation or observation, interpretation, and application. So stay with me, write those down. Observation, interpretation, and application. To observe something that we're reading, we simply ask a series of questions. We observe the who. We observe the what, the where, when, why, and how. Who, what, where, when, why, and how. Those are the questions that we can ask as we observe what we see taking place in a section of scripture. Who is this author writing to? Who is Paul writing to in the book of Romans? Who is Paul writing to in the book of Philippians? Hello, it's pretty simple. Uh, The Philippians, Uh, what words are repeated? What words are emphasized? Where are the events taking place? What city, what's going on culturally? When was it written? Was it, was it pre-Jesus, after Jesus, during Jesus' time? What category of book is this? Is it historical? Is it, is it the book of poetry? What, what is it? What category? Is it the Gospels? And what is the main point of the section that we're reading? And then once we're more familiar with the passage, we're ready then to move to the second step. So we've observed, we know the who, the what, the why, the how, the where, all of those questions. And then we interpret what it is we're reading. We take that passage and we look at it in light of what the rest of the Bible has to say on the same topic. This may be where we look for cross-references. Bibles have that. Cultural things, specific word meanings, context, parallel passages that tell the same account. This is awesome in the Gospels. They provide the same ideas. So we observe, we interpret. And the next we talked about last week. Then we take that observation and that interpretation and we apply it to daily living. You see, Scripture is full of God's commands for believers to take and do and act and walk and do and think on what he has just said. As we saw last week in, John, in James chapter 1, we're told to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. We know from 2 Timothy chapter 3 that this Scripture is to be the source of truth for our lives, that it's inspired that it shows us what fundamental truth is, that it helps us understand what it is we believe. It teaches us doctrine. It teaches us what sin actually is. It, it, it then tells us how to correct that sin in our lives. And then it gives us instruction and training in how to do it. So apply the word. You see, all of the work of reading and studying is so we can put this awesome knowledge that we have in here to work or to use. In John chapter 13, it says, now that you know these things, Jesus is speaking to the disciples, you will be blessed if you do them. And this connects back to what we see in Matthew chapter seven. We are blessed when we make the study of the Bible and the application of it part of our habits. Just ask someone around you, you know who is devoted to time in the word, what tips they would give, how they came to love it, how they worked it into their daily routines. Just ask and learn and then do, but find what works best for you. Read through the Bible in a year, look for specific things that stand out, dive deeper, look for verbs and action words in a text. Take the sermons that we preach here on Sundays and apply them every single day for the next week. Use the YouVersion app and do a reading plan around a specific topic. There isn't only one way. 
I just want to give you some ideas, but just do it. Just make the commitment. Next, I think this is often forgotten, but memorize the word. Now, you may be saying, wait, wait, you just said last week that you don't care how many verses that we have memorized if no one wants to be around you. I stand by that. But I didn't say don't memorize. We still need to cause God's word to dwell deep inside of us. We actually need it. Proverbs 7 says that we're to keep the commands of God and live and to guard the teachings as the apple of our eyes and to bind them on our fingers and write them on the tablets of our hearts. Now, I will admit that I don't do this as well as I would like. Write them on your heart. This is figurative language. It doesn't, it's, it's figurative. It means to make the words of God a part of who you are. That when you're struggling that his word will bring life to your soul. That when you're dealing with some kind of temptation or you have a sin in your life, his word as you have memorized it will, will, bring, will bring to surf the surface the things that you need to change. So we memorize his word. You can allow this to be a slow, steady process, that's okay, but I beg you, don't use that terrible, lame excuse that you're just not good at memorizing. Don't use that excuse because we're really good at memorizing recipes and phone numbers and stats and addresses and instructions. We're, we, we can memorize. We have the ability to do that. I'm not going to ramble there too long because I might get angry and I don't want to seem angry. Another often forgotten part of this is simple. Meditation. Meditate on the word. Psalm 1 reminds us to delight in his word and to meditate on it day and night. Now, don't be mistaken. The New Age movement does not get access and rights to every word that exists. To meditate is vital. It means to think deeply or carefully about something. The righteous man, according to Proverbs and the book of Psalms, he ponders and he meditates on the word of God. He does not just hear it and forget it. He purposefully thinks about it. He meditates. And Christians should be people who meditate on his word. Now the next habit that you would expect to hear right now is, is, is simple. Prayer. We must pray. But why don't we pray more? Why don't we pray more? I mean, Jesus exemplified a personal relationship with his father through prayer, and it gave him great strength. That every person that, who has ever been effective for service, in service for God, has developed this habit. Just ask someone you know who does this well. But in order to develop a healthy spiritual relationship with God, we must spend time with him through prayer. Now, is it hard for you to pray consistently? I don't know. Maybe you struggle to pray consistently. We think prayer struggles are unique to us, but once again, if we went around the room and we asked how many had a consistent habit of prayer outside of lunchtime or dinner, we would find that many don't pray. And there's a lot of reasons why we may not understand the process. We may not understand what, what the purpose of prayer is. But again, I think a lack of planning and strategy can be seen here as well. Author Lane Jones, he wrote a process to prayer that I've always enjoyed using. And, and honestly, you don't need a, a, a process by some person. Jesus gave it to us in Matthew chapter 6. 
In Matthew 6, it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is where we adore God's greatness. This is a moment of adoration in our prayer where we are, we are so grateful for who he is and what he's done that he's set apart from all this other stuff. We adore his greatness. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. This is where we forsake our will for his will. We forsake our will for his. Then he says, give us today our daily bread. This is us acknowledging acknowledging our dependence on him and that he will provide everything that we need. And forgive us our debts as we also for, have forgiven our debtors. This is just simply forgiveness. We've been forgiven, we forgive. And then he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He provides the protection that we need. It's a simple process. You can pray like that every single day if you're looking for something to do and a way to do it. It doesn't have to be a long, eloquent production. God's not impressed with your words anyway, so set a timer for real. Set it for five minutes, for 10 minutes. Use a post-it note on your Bible and list the things that you, you don't wanna forget when you're praying, the things that you wanna say. It doesn't have to be complicated. Jesus prayed. And he showed us how to pray. But he also did something else in his time of prayer. He participated in silence and solitude. These are the forgotten and rarely implemented habits. It's this time of where we're so used to noise, right? I'm, to stimulation. But Jesus got away from it all to hear the Father's voice, to pray, to get refreshed. We need times of silence. And solitude. Jesus made it a huge part of his habits. And the next thing we do is we give. Now, we're not going to spend a ton of time here. We just addressed some of these principles six weeks ago in our Kingdom Impact series, but in Matthew 6, Jesus, just right after this prayer section, he, he reminds people to store up treasures in heaven and not treasures on this earth. You see, being generous with our time and with our possessions is a difficult yet necessary part of growing our faith. It's a matter of the heart. And like the eyes direct which way we walk, the heart determines the direction of our lives. We should be serving and giving to God's mission in this world. These things, when we serve and we give, they grow your faith. And then lastly, we worship. Now, how is worship a spiritual habit? And we're going to devote an entire series to this process of, of worship here in just a few months, and so don't miss that. But, but, but simply put, just read Romans 12. It's where we offer all of ourselves back as a sacrifice to God. It's a lifestyle of worship. We worship. Today, we're going to talk about worshiping with our voices quickly, though. In Psalm chapter 96, it says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. A huge part of your daily worship, I think if we're looking at the scriptures, should involve the process of singing. In the car, in the shower, some of y'all are awesome in the shower. 
While mowing the lawn, that's even better because then nobody can hear you because the mower's louder. Maybe during exercising, during seasons of suffering, all the time. We should be a singing people. Here in our church, we have made the corporate singing of God's people a priority. That when we gather together, we're going to do nothing else but hear the word of God preached. We're going to pray and we are going to sing together with all of our voices. That's what we do here on Sundays. We've made that a priority because worship is important. We could talk about lifestyle and idols and all of those things, and we're going to get there here in a couple of weeks. But it's simple. If we want our faith to grow, we have to commit to spiritual habits. If you're frustrated with where you are today, could it be answered in the habits of your life? And I want to see you continue to grow. I want to continue to grow in my faith. And, but you'll never be able to experience God's will for your life if you don't take the time to know him better. So as you leave today, I want you to think about this question. Are you growing? Are you growing? And, and, and only you can answer that question. Like, but be real honest with yourself. As you write that question down, as you, take a, as you text that to yourself, am I growing how do you answer that question? How will you answer that question? You may say that you're doing these things well. Keep going and bring someone along with you. Be a mentor. Be a discipler. If you've done nothing but disappoint yourself every time that you've tried to do these things, start back up and commit like you've never committed before. If this has been on your mind and now you're sitting here and you're feeling super convicted, I'm sorry, but I'm glad. Let yourself feel this and let God use it to be the motivating factor that you need to make this happen. Ask for help. It's okay to ask for help. And one day, I, I, would, I would be willing to guarantee that you'd be thankful that you put in the time to develop these spiritual habits. Because I've yet to meet anyone who loves the Bible, who has a vibrant prayer life, who is serving and, and giving and, and, and actively involved in the things of God, who is, who is making worship a lifestyle, who is singing praises to God. I've never known anyone who would say that that time invested was not 100% worth it. So, how would your life look differently if you were actually growing spiritually today? How different would your life look if you made spiritual growth a habit. I mean, think about your life right now, about the struggles that you've walked through and that you're facing in this very moment. How would those life situations look different if you had already responded with spiritual maturity? How could your future be different if you did develop this pattern of commitment to studying the Bible, to praying, to being generous and having a, a focus of lifestyle worship. And we have to remember that we should all be on a journey of growth. Yes, simple, but are you, are you reading? Are you applying? 
Are you praying? Are you giving? And are you worshiping? Only you can answer that question. But it's a question worth your time. Because if we want our faith to grow, we have to commit to spiritual habits. So if you would, for just a moment, just with no distractions, just in the, the eerie quietness of the room, answer that question. Am I growing? And what type of spiritual habits are in play in my growth? Because your worldview is being shaped by something or someone who is influencing you. And the pastor thing to say is, God's influence is better than any other influence. So make these things a habit. Work on them. And next week, we're going to talk about the ministry that we do and how that plays a role in our growth. So don't miss part three of Further Your Faith. We want to encourage you and remind you to grab a bulletin or to sign up online for our email prayer list. There's so many people in our prayer list who are struggling, coming out of surgery, going into surgery, dealing with the loss of a loved one. Be praying for one another. If you need something to do, Just pray by name through that prayer list every single day. Matters. And then be involved in what we're doing here at West Hill. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful and thankful for this time that we have to gather together. God, I am personally thankful for the the simplicity of what a relationship with you really is and what it really looks like. I'm not saying that these disciplines or these habits are are easy to, to implement or do. They're not for everyone. But you work in them. And so God, I pray that you would, that you would work in our hearts, that you would challenge us to be about the study of your word, to just read it, to just know your heart better by the words that you've given us. And that we would communicate with you and to you and hear from you. That we would take this knowledge and this commission that you've given us to to serve and to give of our time and our talents and our treasures. But that all of it would be funneled into and through this lifestyle of worship. That we're doing it all for you and for your honor and for your glory. God, I pray that you would use us as your people in this community to make a kingdom impact, to have a kingdom impact, that we would be about the things that you've called us to be about. And we learn and we know how to do those things when we study your word, we draw close to you, and we make you the focus of our hearts. So God, I pray that you would use us, the church, in great ways. God, if there's anyone in this room today that does not have that personal relationship with you, God, I pray that today they would would talk to someone, that they would find a pastor, that they would talk to that person sitting next to them, and they would say, listen, I don't know this Jesus that you've talked about today. I didn't know that he died for my sin, that, that, that he is, that he is preparing a place for those who would repent of their sin and, and trust in him. So God, I pray that you would, you would lead those people to someone today. God, use us in mighty ways, and you receive all the honor and glory for it, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.